but really creating that camaraderie with my community and making them laugh because our community needed a laugh. Making somebody laugh about their own story, something that has, for some people, cost them their health, giving them some like levity and bringing a little light to the darkness, that has been, that really meant a lot to me. Because it's like out of all the shit that they've gone through and being donor conceived is such an isolating thing. Suddenly reaching out and going like, hey, we can all laugh about this and have a beer together and heal together. Hello and welcome back to Care So Much. Thank you all so much for being here today. I am so excited about today's guest, you guys. I am such a huge fan of hers. The guest is Laura High. She is a stand-up comedian and actor. She is also an advocate for donor-conceived people. Today, we are going to be talking about both of those, how they overlap together. We're going to talk about comedy and advocacy work, sort of need the comedy in advocacy work and how that helps to advance some of the really important causes that we all care about, which is a surprise secret theme of this podcast. But I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about that. And without further ado, I'd love to just throw it over to Laura. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you care so much about comedy and advocacy? Hey, thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to be here. I am, I, I feel like I'm like, I'm a jerk by trade. I'm a stand-up comedian. <laughs> I make my living by making fun of things, namely myself. So, you know, I've, I've got that, but I'm a stand-up comedian. I perform, you know, nightly in New York City and I do travel. I actually just got back from a stint in, in LA. That is like, performing is definitely my bread and butter. I have a theater degree. I'm an actor. I do a lot of VO work and commercial work and stuff like that. But yeah, and I've uh, moved over into advocacy. I would say it more like pulled me kicking and screaming. And I was just like, well, I guess this is this is who I am now. <laughs> and it's really weird. Like advocacy, it's not it's no, it didn't pull me over kicking and screaming. What it really does is like when you become an advocate for something, it's really like just life kind of goes here's a thing. Mm -hmm. And then you pick it up and you just go, this is my whole personality now. Like, yeah. that's just what ends up happening. Um, it really just, it, it just happens. It's instantaneous. It calls you and you're just like, all right, man, I'm here to party. And um, yeah, no, advocacy hit me. God, I think I started down my advocacy path probably about four years ago. And it really pumped up in the last two years. But uh, definitely four years ago was, was when I started down my, I'm going to say my, my curiosity path. And uh, now I'm here and now I live and breathe sperm, which is so much fun to tell everyone. I am the sperm girl of TikTok. I'm very excited. My mom is proud. As she should be. Who wouldn't be She's proud? She's very proud. I think you did such a great a job of bringing in immediately an example of what we're talking about today. I think it's so interesting, particularly with the type of advocacy you do, where there's a lot mm -hmm. of misconceptions around mm -hmm. the topic in general. Comedy yeah. brings in something that draw, I see, I find draws more people in. Has that been your experience? I really think it's like, look, if you want people to listen, make them laugh. People will listen if you make them laugh. They don't listen to just dry stats. That's not something people do. And that's not anything against people. I think that's natural. I was, I'm, I am still, but like, um, I'm just, you know, thinking back, like mm -hmm. when I was in high school and stuff, but like, I such a fan of The Daily Show, such a fan of The Daily Show. 
uh, Colbert Report last week mm-hmm. tonight. All of these, you know, George Carlin, any of these comedians who talked about political so, uh, social issues, but did it all wrapped up in a setup and punchline. And I would watch and go like, why do more people pay attention to these than the actual news? What is it about it? And it's because you're making them laugh. Mm. It's not because people, and, and I know that people are just like, oh my God, people are dumb. It's like, no, it's just easier to take in. Um, The world is extremely dark. It's an extraordinarily dark place. So if you're able to like bring like a slight bit of levity and humanity to what you are saying, it's easier to listen to. Yeah. And I don't know why, but people do trust a laugh a little bit more. I have no freaking clue why, but they seem to. And I was so heavily influenced by how like Jon Stewart uses his humor to really educate on some really dark shit. Mm -hmm. And I found that to be incredibly inspirational to use his incredible gift of comedy to help. Mm -hmm. Not just tell dick jokes, although I love a good dick joke, (laughs) don't get me wrong. Again, I pay my rent off of dick jokes. I love them. But, uh, and in a way I do tell dick jokes, just like a different part of dick jokes. I do. I just come up, I I make jokes about like what comes out of the dick. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and selling and selling it. Mm -hmm. I was so influenced that that's how he uses his comedy. It was always very inspirational to me. That's such a great point. And I was such a fan. My family used to watch The Daily Show together. We were a bunch of nerds. So we would like gather around the TV. Um, It was like we would get in trouble if we tried to watch the pre-recorded episodes without the rest of the family. Like that's where we were at with The Daily Show. Love it. I fully support that. Yeah. But I mean, like, wasn't it like, I, I think the really the golden time was when we had like Daily Show with Jon Stewart, then immediately Colbert Report. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was like the best hour ever. I mean, not, I'm so happy for where Colbert is. Love him. I adore Trevor Noah. I it, yeah. love it. I just miss that golden hour so much. It was it was such a like incredible time. And then watching that show evolve. And since then, we're not going to talk about the Daily Show the whole time. Although we definitely, it turns out, could do an episode on the Daily Show. Oh. We could, I mean, let's talk about even Stevens. Like, we can do this. <laughs> yes. We can Wonderful. do this. But I yeah. think, like, he did such a great job as well in, like, acknowledge. I've seen interviews and stuff that he's done since then talking about how mm-hmm. and why The Daily Show evolved to be so much more diverse. Because I was watching it, like, mm-hmm. while that was happening. And it wasn't, like, an explicit choice that they made. But, like, it just was so interesting. And weirdly, this is like the third episode that I've talked about The Daily Show on as I'm thinking about this. That's hysterical. I love that. So, so I, I'm learning there's secret themes to my podcast. And one of them is I'm a fan of Jon Stewart. I mean, he's just um, I, I hear through the grapevine because I've never mm. met him. But um, I know people who have worked with him. And no one says about bad word about yeah. him. Not a single human. And usually, like, in the entertainment mm-hmm. business, you'll hear, like, oh, yeah, they're a good person, but they're also a dick. Or you'll hear, like, some horror stories. I've never heard one about Jon Stewart, Aww. ever. It's only been, like, this man saved my life. This man changed my career. This man is the kindest human I've ever met. This man, like, loves his... Like, I've never heard any anyone say a bad word. Which is impossible in this business. Oh, that's so wonderful. That makes me really happy because I feel like the circles you run in, you would find out. So now I feel much safer in my love for him. Yeah, I mean, I will the um, I will say the one person that like I've I've worked with uh, like a little very little bit like I was just on like the same lineup as him was like Roy Wood Jr. And I will say he was the sweetest human being I've ever met. Um, I've been a Roy Wood Jr. fan like the minute he became he stepped on a daily show. And I told him I was like, 
I remember you, you, it was your first episode and your first line was just the word no. And you <laughs> said it in a way that made me cackle so hard. And he was like, he gave me a hug and I was just like, you're so nice. I like you. <laughs> he gave me his That's email incredible. address and I was just like, I really am a big fan. Oh my gosh. That's so amazing. Well, Okay. Coming back to the topic at hand. Okay, yeah, we're not otherwise... doing the Daily Show. I just, like, I saw a moment and I was like, yes, Daily we, Show. But we sorry. can and we will. No, never, never apologize for telling me a story about Roy Wood Jr. That is something you should never apologize for. I want to talk a lot more about comedy and its role in all of this. But I think I want to mm-hmm. start up top as well with making sure that we're talking a little bit about what it is that the advocacy work that you do is because I know like a lot of things I've learned I've learned on TikTok that it was sort of a new space for me to understand the problems of very similar to the episode Mm -hmm. I did with Carlos Dillard where I didn't know a lot can we just shout out to how amazing Carlos is can we just I need to I can't his name cannot come up without me saying like this, this guy is a gift to humanity. And I get like, I get irrationally angry <laughs> when he gets um, trolls in his comment section, because I'm just like, motherfucker. Can I swear? Can I swear? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. Motherfuckers. Do you understand <laughs> what Carlos is doing for humanity? Like, do you understand this angel that walks among us? Yeah. This guy does not owe us fucking shit given what this given what he has gone mm-hmm. does not owe a shit and he is literally on there educating so mm-hmm. kindly and ends every video with shine your light i'm just like okay i'm yeah. sorry but like no carlos top shelf top tier we can all we just all look amongst carlos's light like that's just yeah. all that there is holy shit yeah Ugh. it was it, i felt that way watching his videos and then when he yeah. came on the podcast, the nicest person. I think he's a great example of our topic today because he, yeah. so there's two episodes where we ended up talking for a while about this idea of comedy and advocacy. One was Carlos's mm-hmm. and the other one was um, Joey Clift. And we talked about native representation. He's a comedian yes. and writer and talked about both of those people brought up jokes on something that I think people think of as like too serious to be joking about. I think in some ways, it's almost the opposite, where it's like what you're talking about, where it makes these topics that are hard and dark, and you don't really want to spend too much of your time and energy looking at it, and makes it something you can hear it more. Well, also... I do think that specifically adoption, because I do think adoption ties into this, Mm -hmm. but adoption and infertility Mm -hmm. are two very taboo subjects still. They're not something that you talk about. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's why comedy is so needed to talk about these subjects, Mm -hmm. because comedy is the best mallet to just smash those like Mm-hmm. pretend made up rules and go like oh you thought that this was like inappropriate fuck that bullshit we gonna talk about your baby batter and how it don't work like <laughs> no no no. we are we are doing this going back to carlos he he does mm-hmm. this with like love and grace but he literally just like hands you your ass in mm-hmm. every single conversation where you're just like mother ah! and it just shatters every kind of illusion you have and it's good and it needs to happen and i love getting my ass handed to me i yes. i love it I love getting my ass handed to me, hand it to you repeatedly on an unprecedented amount. And you're just like, well, here we are. Okay. It's so funny that you say that because I think that a lot of what you do is hand people their asses. (laughs) 
What is the ta- what is the stuff that people don't they don't hear about it? Like you said, it's a taboo subject. No, no one gives two shits. <laughs> it's something that I didn't. I just like literally never thought about. No, why would anyone think about it? Yeah, no. Oh yeah, you know that meme from like Sunny in Philadelphia where I can't remember the character's name, but he has like all the red yarn going across and it's just like him looking deranged. Like that's me talking about donor conception. Like you get me going and that's what I, I mean, I do. I think, I feel like at this point, anyone on TikTok is like, oh yeah, the crazy girl who talks about fucking sperm. Like, yeah, no. And it's, but that's what I am like in real life. Like I will just sit down and like, I'll be on a phone with a friend and they're like, hey, so how's like the sperm donation? And I'm like, I'm like, motherfucker, do you know what I just found out? Do you know what I just fucking found out? And I will just go on a rant and then I'll look down and be like, I've just been speaking for like 60 minutes. And they're like, yeah, Laura, <laughs> how's your husband doing? And I'm just like, oh, he's good. He's fine. He's a man and he lives in my house. He's good. He lives in my house. He's playing with the dog. He deals like every day. I, I, my, I, I shout out to my, my amazing <laughs> husband, Dave, hashtag Dave, uh, because he deals with this shit. We're all literally running the room screaming. I'm just like, do you know what I just learned? Do you know the story that I just found out? And he's just like, what, what, what doctor screwed over what person? And I'm just like, all of them. And I <laughs> well, he just deals with it so sweetly and beautifully. But yeah, no, unfortunately, I, all of my friends, I'm going to owe a very, very big um, fruit basket of thanks for like, thank you for putting up with my bullshit. This is exactly the point of the podcast. Anyone who you feel, if you're out there listening to this and you're like, my friends deserve a fruit basket for listening to me talk about XYZ all of the time. Hi, I'm Lillian. Please come on my podcast. (laughs) Like that's the point. I just want to just tell all my friends and family, I love you. And I'm sorry. This is like, I'm, I'm really sorry. This is just who I am right now. I'm really sorry. I will, I, I will, it will get better. It will get easier. I'm just like in the heat of it right now, Yeah. but I, I promise I will become human at some point, but I also at the same time, like I do obsess about shit in like, I, I always do. So mm-hmm. it's, it's not, I think they're just like, yeah, this is Laura's like new thing now. She'll. So I'm imagining on your board with all of your red yarn, at the yes. very top is the infertility industry. Can you talk a little bit about that and all the little threads that it connects to? For anyone who doesn't know, I am a donor conceived person. I'm a sperm donor baby. You can call me a sperm donor baby. Other sperm donor babies don't like being referred to sperm donor babies. Call them sperm donor adults. But me, again, <laughs> being a paid jerk and dick, I think the term sperm donor baby is just funny. Like, again, mm-hmm. I think about it in joke form and I'm like, yeah, I'm a sperm donor, baby. I think it's funny. Now, most other sperm donor conceived humans do not like being referred to it. And that's like totally legit. Respect that. So I'm just giving you permission to call me that. Okay. Don't call other people that. Yeah. So we have and um, donor conception, the infertility industry, the infertility industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. So that kind of gives you a lot of information mm-hmm. just right there. And you have to remember that the infertility industry, specifically with donor conception, profits off of the creation of sentient beings. So again, starting to get like those like little cogs rolling creates some problems because Mm -hmm. this isn't just profiting. I I mean, like anything that profits off of like people's well-being can be always problematic. This is profiting off of their mere creation. Mm. So you need to create as many bodies as possible to make the most profit. Mm-hmm. And because being infertile, struggling with um, fertility has been so, so taboo, it's not talked about. There's so much shame. It's so, it's still stigmatized now. Mm-hmm. So imagine what it was in the 70s. Yeah. 
this is something, this is an issue that has flown in under the radar for fucking decades. That at this point, the infertility industry pumps out its own Kool-Aid that it gives all the doctors, all the nurses, all the banks. And they're at a point now, because I've spoken to them recently, they all believe the fucking lies that they tell people. And I mean, it is amazing. It's it's like talking to them is like talking to like a Mary Kay consultant. You're just like, Mm. what the fuck are you even saying at this point? Uh, It's like Mary Kay, Amway, um, Nutra, Vita, Blast bullshit things like it's all of it combined um and i and so it's they are and it's a it's a it's an industry that regularly sexually assaults women experiments Mm. on kids gets kids sick lets kids die uh it's legalized eugenics um it's fucking horrible and no one gives a shit no one cares um well i I should say people are starting to care more. Mm -hmm. I think people are starting to realize that this is a problem, um, which I'm very, very grateful for. And honest, and thank God donor conceived people have found each other online. We are communicating with each other. We're realizing like, oh shit, we have some seriously shared experiences. Thank God for 23andMe and Ancestry because they are what allowed us to find our families. Um, and allow us to like talk to our siblings and go like, oh shit, you also have that thing on your neck? Weird. And we've been able to really trade notes and talk to each other and go, oh fuck, this is a systemic problem. And it's not, and like, I even used to think that like, well, this is an issue, but it's not that bad. Like, it's not that big of a problem. The more I go down this rabbit hole, the more I'm like, oh no, this is really huge. This is actually a very massive issue that affects everybody, even if you are not directly connected to it. Something that I so often hear with things like this, that I know I've been told about things that I'm really passionate about in my life as well, is those things are so serious, you shouldn't joke about that. So what's a response to somebody who says something like that to that list of truly serious things that don't feel like you should laugh about them? I'm going to give you the dick answer, and then I'm going to give you the real answer. The dick answer is, donor conception is fucking funny. What are you talking about? We're talking about putting sperm into a turkey baster. That's fucking hysterical. What are you talking about? This is funny shit. Like, are you serious? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You picked sperm out of a fucking catalog. It gets sent to you, FedEx, (laughs) and you put it in a turkey baster. You lie down and then put your legs up. It's fucking funny. Like, I'm sorry. That's my dick answer to that question. My second question is, you have to laugh about it. Yeah. There is no way to, this is so egregious. It's so evil. It's so malicious. It's so nasty that us as humans, in order to be able to save mental Mm -hmm. health, have to find humor. That's just how human brains work. It's the same reason why even if like you and your partner are in a dead freaking huge fight, someone's going to crack a joke Mm -hmm. because we need that mental health. We need that mental break. You have to laugh. And I'm sorry, but like I'm a donor conceived person. Like this is my lane. I'm allowed to crack fucking jokes about it. Like I, Mm -hmm. no, 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 no. This is my, this is my thing. I'm allowed to do it. So don't you come to me and be like, you're being, and I've had people like, I've had like, it's a fight that I've had with other donor conceived people. Cause they're like, you're being insensitive. And I'm like, bitch, I'm dealing with my trauma. Like, fuck yeah. off. 
Yeah. Like, I, I, this is how I deal with shit. Like, you can deal with it how you wish to. I deal with it this way, and I deal with laughter. That's how I, I get out of my anxiety spirals, is by making setups and punchlines. When you look at any traumatized group, any any group of people with this experience of something that is terrible and awful, I make jokes about my mental health all the time. My mental health yeah. is pretty serious. <laughs> But if laughing about it's fun. It is. I also think it saves your, I think it saves, for lack of better words, your soul. I think it saves your humanity. And I think that it's healthy to laugh at shit like that. You have to laugh at the darkness. That, to me, is the best shield for Mm. anything. Because if you don't laugh, it will consume you and make you a bitter nothing. Absolutely. I, I am, no, 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 no. The darker it is, the louder you should be laughing. Yes. Hands down. Oh my gosh, I'm putting that on t-shirts. The darker it is, the louder you should be laughing. Well, and that's what we've learned is that like, if you know, if you're talking to like a misogynistic man, the best way to laugh at him, just Mm -hmm. fucking laugh at him. That is what he fears the most. Like that is what they fear the most is like them, like a woman laughing at them. That's what they fucking fear the most. This idea of um, finding that community and joking yeah. with the community. And I think there's something important in that that can get lost, particularly when you're talking about the kind of humor that we're talking about here, that I think both you and I have called out, which is making jokes about and within a community that you're a part of yeah. versus one that you're not a part of. Oh, 100%. So, I mean, this is a big debate that's within the the, the comedy world right now. Um, is like, you know, is it a joke? Is it just a joke? Or like, you know, what are you allowed to joke about? And I personally, and this is where I stand, um, I'm never going to tell anybody like, I- I- I'm like, look, you can say you can joke about whatever the fuck you want to joke about. Like, go mm-hmm. ahead, do it. Just you have to understand the consequences. You you have to own the consequences. Mm-hmm. Because you knowingly did this. You made an active choice. At this point, you are educated enough. The information is out there. You have to face the consequences. Mm -hmm. Um, I really think that I I don't understand why in all of the things that you can joke about in this world, and there's literally, there's millions, it's infinite. There Mm -hmm. is the multiverse. You can joke about, there's an infinite amount of subjects you can joke about. Why on earth? Would you joke and make joke? I, I'd say, why would you punch down on a marginalized group mm-hmm. out of every single thing that you could joke about in this world? Why? Like, what's the point? Why are you going to kick the underdog? Why would you do that? Why not joke about the people who are in power? That's why I've liked The Daily Show, Colbert mm-hmm. Report, because that's what they do. George Carlin, a lot of the time, like, he would joke about the people in power, mm-hmm. not necessarily the people who are getting hurt. I mean, I'm sure if I dug deep enough I'd find a joke that he did do that but I'm just saying like yeah I just I don't understand why like why do you I I always am like what why do you get off on that and they're like well everybody you know should be joked about and I'm like but why are you spending all of your time making jokes about a group that is suffers more murders than anyone else Mm -hmm. like why do you do that Why? Like, I remember watching, it was a white guy comedian at an open mic, and he was making jokes about um, black trans women. And he Mm. made a joke about how, like, they should be getting murdered more because of how, like, and I was just like, why? Why? Why the, and he's just like, this is a joke. And I'm like, why the fuck would you do that? And I went up on stage, like, I think two people after him, and I literally spent, like, four minutes of my time going, like, what? Why? Yeah. 
out of everything in this universe, why did you have to specifically make jokes about the people who are statistically murdered more than anyone else? Like, why? What, what gets... I think it's like, look, you want to make jokes about, like, your own crew. You want to make jokes about, like, your own group because you understand the nuance of your own group. You mm-hmm. understand the subtleties of your own group more than, obviously, any kind of outsider. I'm like, to each their own and, like, 100% go for it. And I'm like, I'm all for that. And I, I support that. And I think that there's a lot of um, catharsis in that. But why on earth would you ever joke about somebody who's already, like, struggling? That just mm-hmm. never, it just has never computed to me. The the idea that a joke is just a joke is that is not true. Mm-hmm. It's not like that comic who again made that joke. I watched five other white guys mm-hmm. all laugh in the same room as him. Yeah, and it was like that says so much about it that that made them all laugh. There was a camaraderie with that joke with them making mm-hmm. their own transphobic racist feelings made them all feel seen and heard. And mm. that's not good. It was validation for those feelings. Yeah, A joke is not just a joke. Let's not pretend it. It's never been that way ever, yeah. ever in the history of the universe. We have a long ass history of people taking cues from comedians or comedies or anything. They have influenced society forever. Mm-hmm. We have watched this happen. So no. And and this is to anybody who is within the arts. Your mm-hmm. art is not just art. It yeah. all it does have the power to influence. It always has. That is the truth. Mm-hmm. And you do have to take responsibility for that. And I'm like, and I get it. Like, maybe that's like not your thing. That's not what you want to do. Then like, okay, then just like make fluff pieces then. But mm-hmm. if you are somebody who's like, you really want to talk about like big, big controversial issues, then understand the consequences of it. And with that, at the same time, And it's always something that I always tell comedians. No comedian has ever been allowed to say whatever the hell that they wanted to and also get paid by network. Mm. That's never happened. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. Yeah. I'm like, do you, like, in the 50s, if you wore the wrong color tie, you were labeled a commie. Like, what are you all talking about? Yeah. Like, that actually was canceling. That was called canceling. When you got blacklisted, holy shit. Yeah. That's being canceled. Right now, you are allowed to say more in comedy than ever before. Mm -hmm. So when anyone ever goes, it's like, you can't say anything. No, it's bullshit. It's Mm -hmm. bullshit. The only difference is you're getting called out on racist rhetoric. Mm -hmm. That's the only difference. From when I started comedy to now, I'm seeing more diversity in comedy, more kinds of voices, more kinds of people being let on stage than ever before. Mm Mm-hmm. You are allowed to say more now. You're just not allowed to be a racist dick. Yeah. That's the only difference. One of the things that I heard recently too was that it's like, oh, you can never say anything before. Like all these people are so sensitive. And one of the responses to that was like, you were never supposed to be saying that. Like it was always harmful and hurtful. It's just the people you were harming and hurting didn't have a voice and they do now. So they're saying that you're hurting them. That's the difference. Yeah. And it's also, and it's like the standard of what is appropriate changes throughout time. Like Mm -hmm. that's always been the thing. That's what was appropriate a hundred years ago Mm -hmm. is no longer like was not appropriate in the nineties. Yeah. And there's a lot of things in the nineties that, that were not deemed appropriate. There was a lot of things that, that are now deemed appropriate. I don't think people understand the history of comedy and they really take it out of context. 
Well, and what they're really saying is I want to be a racist bigot and not have face consequences for that. And my yeah. answer to that is go fuck yourself. Go get fucked. Then it's like, well, I mean, it's like, look, if you that's what you want to do, there's a lovely box in the middle of Central Park that you can stand on. So with that, one of the things you mentioned right up top, and I think there's an inherent obviousness to what this means, but I always love to define things like this. So when you said punching down versus punching mm-hmm. up. 100%. I think the best way to talk about that is like talking about like the jester. So the jester was there. So like we're talking about like, you know, old olden times mm-hmm. where you had jesters. The jester's job was to make fun of the king and the court. Not the peasants, not the commoners, not the, you know, not 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 the folk. Not to punch down. His job was to humanize and humble the court and the king. It was mm-hmm. to punch up that the people in power, the people who control everything, it is important to humanize and to call out those people because we put them on a freaking pedestal mm-hmm. and we don't, there's just like this mist around them. That to me is the difference between punching up and punching down. And why I'm and the, always the thing that I go after is like, I would much rather punch the king than punch like, you know, mm-hmm. the freaking, you know, the people. Why, yeah. why would I punch the people? I'm punching the king. Within that, there is the way that I that your personal identity plays into that as well, I think is interesting. Not specifically you, but like any person. Yeah. Um, so for example, with jokes about Black trans women, obviously, mm-hmm. I think we're agreeing that that man that you saw in that club was an asshole and, and yeah. did harm and yeah, was, was punching down. Mm-hmm. But if a black trans woman came in and made jokes about being a black trans woman, that would be different. And I'm wondering if you could articulate why. Because if you are talking about your own community, there is going to be, you're going to understand a nuance that an outsider is never going to understand. Mm -hmm. You are going to understand lines better. Like you will understand where the lines are in your community. Mm-hmm. You're going to understand subtlety. You are going to understand history. You, It is going to be your lived experience. There is going to be an understanding that no one else can have. That And, that, and that's for every single community out there. Mm-hmm. Um, every single community. I mean, obviously, like, I, I mean, like, you're fair game if you're somebody who's in power. That's why it's like, yeah, if mm-hmm. I'm going to joke, like, as a woman, yeah, I'm going to make jokes about fucking men. I'm going to make jokes about the patriarchy because y'all mm-hmm. are in charge. So fuck that shit. Mm-hmm. You know, when I become in charge or it becomes a matriarchy, then sure, absolutely. Let's crack yeah. some jokes, man. Rock it on. Listen, I think we both can agree that when it is a matriarchy, when, not if, when, when you guys are welcome to make jokes. Welcome. We, we're so happy. Listen, we will take all of the power you can make the jokes. Exactly. That's, you are more than welcome to do that. And I will happily sit there and I will hear, I will hear jokes about my labia. That's fine. I'm cool with that then. Totally. Joke away. Joke away, my friend. That ties super well into a TikTok of yours I watched recently, which was talking about the idea of some people make jokes about their sperm donor when they're referring to like an absentee father. And Mm. I'm wondering if you could speak to some of the jokes like that and how and why it's different when you make jokes about your actual sperm donor. So it's something that like... I get. So when when people talk about like their literal absentee father, like their dad walked out on them Mm -hmm. or something, they joke that they actually are just a sperm donor. And they literally refer to them, oh, I'm a sperm donor, baby. I'm, uh, I had a sperm donor. 
I get why they do that. Again, they're trying to add levity. I so mm-hmm. get that. I understand. And I, I really get it. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, and I, and I, so, and I feel like such an ass, but it, but I, I unfortunately really do. This is true. Sperm donor babies and sperm donor conceived people actually exist. Mm-hmm. You are not a sperm donor baby. You're not. Mm-hmm. Um, it is not the same thing. Are there some similar things in terms of a uh, lack of medical knowledge, or mm-hmm. maybe you don't know who your siblings are? Uh, maybe there wasn't enough genetic mirroring for you. Like, yeah, there are some things out there, but your dad walking out on you versus I was made by a corrupt industry mm-hmm. are two extremely different experiences. They're not the same thing. And donor conceived people right now are fighting tooth and nail to literally just be heard. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, it really dilutes us. And it really, like, we are already a joke mm-hmm. amongst everybody. Now, it's one thing if, like, I make fucking jokes about mm-hmm. it, that's different. Because, again, I understand subtlety and nuance for my community. Mm-hmm. But when you make those jokes, it actually really, it really actually hurts us. We are fighting right now to get legislation done. And the legislation that we're trying to get done literally will not affect you. Because mm-hmm. you are not a sperm donor baby. You're not. And you also, by doing that, you are turning the message, are making being a sperm donor baby as somebody with an absent father. Mm-hmm. And that is not what being a sperm donor baby is. Mm-hmm. It is not. And it really, because that's a message that we get hit with a lot of like, well, I'm sorry, your dad wasn't there for you. And I'm like, bitch, I had a dad. Uh-huh. I had a dad. That's not my story. Yeah. And it, it actually really does hurt us and it cr- and it continues this false narrative that we are just people with absent fathers. And it's like, that's not it at all. That's yeah. not the story. And yeah. what I've joked about is like, look, if you're one of those people, I'll make you a deal. You help us get all of our laws and legislation <laughs> and then we get passed. Then you can call yourself whatever the fuck you want. We'll get mm-hmm. matching hats. I don't care. Yeah. Just help. All I want is my laws. That's all I want. I want my nice, pretty laws on a shelf. That's what I want. Yeah. Yeah. Once you have all of your laws, it's the same thing as once we have all the power, they get to make jokes about the matriarchy. Exactly. Yeah. Then it's like, do do whatever floats your boat, man. But yeah, it, it, it actually, it really pushes forward a false narrative mm-hmm. that ends up actually really not helping us. And it really distracts as to why being donor conceived is actually legitimately dangerous. And I think it's so similar to what you were talking about with the reason people were laughing at that comedian you talked about who was making those hateful jokes versus the reason that this community that you found is laughing at the jokes that you're making. It's because they're finding this shared experience and this recognition and validation of their own feelings because you're expressing a nuance that people outside of that community can't understand. Yeah. I mean, it's like, okay, if you claim to be a sperm donor baby, then tell me what are the laws and legislation of your state Mm -hmm. when it comes to donor conception? Then tell me what's the difference between IUI and IVF? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what are the side effects of being an egg donor like then it's like one of those things it's like okay then tell me if that's what you're going to claim to be then tell me all these things because that's what it means to be a sperm donor uh conceived adult or an egg donor conceived adult is like you got to know this shit yeah you do not have the privilege to not know this shit yeah because this is the kind of stuff that can like save your life how 
you ended up finding this community on TikTok, like what that experience was like. And I, I, my understanding is that some of it was through comedy. So when I first, this was in, this was 2019. Mm-hmm. My first donor conceived sibling found me. And mm-hmm. I was like shook to my core. I didn't know, like, I did not think that was possible for me that mm-hmm. I, I didn't even think I had donor conceived siblings. So now I had one find me and contact me that shook me to my core. That was what sent me down this path. Mm-hmm. And I started making videos called, are you my daddy? The videos are on YouTube. You can see them about me, all, about me just learning about how this whole industry works about me learning um, about me trying to find my siblings and all that kind of stuff. Um, so go check out, those are the earliest videos of, of me literally start, like you can see the first video of me talking about this going like, what the fuck is this shit? I don't get it. We'll put um, the link in the description for those. Yeah, no, go check it out. Cause it's, uh, I think I'm in a star Wars shirt. It's a good time. Yes. And what ended up happening was very, I got like a few episodes in mm-hmm. and then a production company was like, oh, this is interesting. Would you like to make a series about this? And I'm like, yes, please. <laughs> and we created a pilot. And then we started pitching it. And then literally the next day, quarantine hit. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, so the pilot died pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and then throughout 2020, I was just in 2019, I was just making fun of TikTok. I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? This is dumb. Um, like, what is this fucking mm-hmm. bullshit is this? I'm like, I'm not touching this shit. And then my husband posted a video of a standup and it got like 4,000 views. And it was like, oh shit. All right. Well, that's <laughs> legit. And I was just like, fuck it. All right. You know what? Maybe, maybe there's something. And then we had actually a friend blow up on TikTok and get a pilot. So we were just like, well, shit. Okay. Maybe there's something to this. All right. I'll, again, I got my ass handed to me. So I posted my opener, my opening joke on TikTok and it got like 5,000 views in one day. And I was like my first video and I was like, shit, okay. And then the next day I posted the next clip and I think it got like 80,000 views. And then the next clip got like 150,000. I'd have to go back, but it, it was getting like huge numbers. Yeah. And I was like, oh, motherfucker, shit. So I started, I just kept posting stand up and it was doing, and I think within two weeks I had like 10 or 15,000 followers. And I was like, well, this is who I am now. Okay. I just <laughs> ate my, I'm like, I love TikTok. TikTok's great. Look at this thing. Oh my God. This is amazing. What am I supposed to do that whole time? Shit. And I was just like immediately blown over. It was incredible. And it, I was just like, well, fuck. And then I basically got permission from the production company and I was like, guys, I need to start like talking about, I really need to start like mm-hmm. posting shit about the the pilot on here. Mm-hmm. And they said, okay, yep, go ahead. And I, I, and then after, and you'll see, like, I tried talking about it here and there in the beginning of my session, but it wasn't working. Once I think I hit March was one, was when I actually figured out how like the TikTok sort of formula worked yeah and that's when you start seeing me actually like post videos that are much more tiktok appropriate and that's when i started doing donor conception stuff and mm. i think the first one got like seventy thousand views the next one was like two hundred thousand views the next one was four hundred thousand views and then it was like five hundred thousand views mm-hmm. i think actually that one's like at a million now and they immediately like they started popping and i was like oh shit mm. motherfucker okay, this is real. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this is actually working. People are listening. 
I started really connecting with my community because mm-hmm. they all started like calling me and they said, Hey, do you want to hear my story? Do you want to post a video about my story? What happened to me? This mm-hmm. is what um, I experienced. And I'm like, fuck yeah, let's do it. And I would make a video about what happened to them. And people would go like, are you serious? That really happened? I'm like, yes, it did. Those actually are some of my favorite ones when I get to share someone else's story. I love that process because what I'll do is like, I'll write the script out. I'll send it to them. I'll get their approval, video it, send it to them again for their approval. And then we watch it like blow up together. And it's really fun. And that's a whole partnership that I love doing with that person. But really creating that camaraderie with my community and making them laugh. Yeah. Because our community needed a laugh and making somebody laugh about their own story. Mm -hmm. um, Something that has, for some people, uh, like cost them their health, um, maybe even made them suicidal. Mm -hmm. Making them kind of like giving them some like levity and bringing a little light to the darkness. Mm -hmm. That has been, that really meant a lot to me. Because it's Mm -hmm. like out of all the shit that they've gone through and being donor conceived is such an isolating thing. You feel extremely isolated and suddenly reaching out and going like, hey, we can all laugh about this and have a beer together um, and heal together. Mm -hmm. That's been an amazing thing with finding that community and connecting and finding other donor conceived people on TikTok who also were trying to share their story. And us finding each other and going like, what's up, friend? How you doing? Did your clinic also burn up in a fire? Weird. Okay, (laughs) let's make jokes about it. That's what most of us are told. That's wild. I know. uh, Same thing with adoptees. They're all told that their papers also went up in a fire. Yeah. Um, And that was really cool was finding people, being able to, I don't know, yeah, just have a beer and laugh about it. Yeah. It was very comforting. And also for me, there were so many feelings about being donor conceived that I had buried so deep far down in me Mm -hmm. that it took me a while when I suddenly started hearing somebody else talk about them. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I was like, and I remember initially hearing somebody else talking about those feelings and I was getting mad at that person. I'm like, you shouldn't be feeling that that's wrong. But now I'm realizing I'm like, now I never said that out loud because I'm not a dick. I am a dick, but not in that way. Yeah. But, um, And I realized like, oh, those were the feelings that I buried deep down inside when I was a kid. Yeah. And I was upset that somebody else was was actually feeling strong enough to say them out loud. And it gave me permission to like, you know, dig inside of myself and actually bring those emotions up and go like, oh, shit. Yeah, this is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've been feeling that for a long time, too. I just didn't admit it. Yeah. I think that's so similar to the description that Carlos had of finding some of the adoptee community and again, through humor. And I think the same thing that I had in there's an episode recently with um, Sydney Smith, where we talked about the, it was the national coming out day episode. And I came out and I talked about the fact that her videos of things I thought straight women thought before I found out I was a lesbian. And I watching yeah. those videos was how I went. So, so you're telling me that straight women don't think that. Okay. Oh so my God. <laughs> That's new information to me. (laughs) That's, oh, I don't, oh my, that's hysterical. Yeah. It was. That's so funny. It's the fun, coming out is the funniest thing that's ever happened to me. 
Like it is, it is the funniest. I, I started Gay Straight Alliance when I was in high school because people who were lucky enough to be gay should get to get married because I wanted to be a lesbian so bad. And as it turns out, twas one. Didn't know, but it's genuinely the funniest thing that's happened to me. But it sounds sad. I can tell it the story in two ways. I can tell the story with sad truths about how scarring and traumatizing being forced into the closet of my own mind was. Or I can make super funny jokes about this really hilarious experience. And it's more fun to do the second one. I love that. I'm very lucky. My I've had a, a roommate since I was 18 years old. And they're my amazing, amazing roommate. And this in this past year... I watched them come out. Mm. So I got to, I had this amazing privilege of watching them come out. I mean, they always knew that they were part of the LGBTQIA community, but they mm-hmm. were kind of coming out just into like different branches of it. Yeah. And watching them come out and like watching their face going like, oh shit. <laughs> oh shit is so wait. many moments. <laughs> and they looked at me and they were like, wait, you don't? And they, we literally had the same conversation. They were like, you don't think yeah. that? And I'm like, no. Nah. But I don't fucking know. I'm broken. I don't know what I... And, they, yeah. and you could just see how they were, like, the cogs turning in their own head. And it yeah. was... It was an amazing... Like, it was just... It was a genuine, like, as their best friend, like, a genuine joy to really, like, find them... Like, mm-hmm. you know, watch my friend find themselves, really, for the first time. But also, it was, it was also funny. Yeah. Because it funny. was just... Like, <laughs> It was. Um, and I, they are now so happy. And, and, but it, watching that experience of watching them do that is, of watching yeah. somebody do that is, it's so amazing. And I'm so happy for you that you had that. And congratulations. Thank and you. like, huzzah. Yeah. And oh my God, now you are one of those very lucky lesbians. I know. I'm so lucky. You're one of those lucky lesbians. It's, congratulations. It's, thank you. I really appreciate it. I thought everybody wanted to be one of us. And honestly, I get it. Um, but looping back to topic. Sperm. <laughs> sperm. If people are listening to this and they're like, mm-hmm. oh, holy shit, I've literally never thought about the struggles that donor-conceived people are facing. How can mm-hmm. they get more information? What's a great, like, what's a good introductory to that sort of topic and understanding? I mean, you know, not to do any self-serving narcissistic bullshit, but obviously you can watch my TikTok page. That's mm-hmm. one way you can do it. There are also, I mean, there's so many donor conceived people like on Instagram um, and on TikTok who are coming out and who are talking. There's a great website called wearedonorconceived.com, which has done like kind of the first like real surveys from donor conceived people and really actually hearing them and listening what they they have to say. There is donor conceived council. There's donor conceived support group. Like you can find them very easily on uh, Instagram and who will, or there's like, I am donor conceived. And you can Mm -hmm. just hear quotes, hear stories. One thing you can also do, uh, there's two stories you can Google as well. And I Mm -hmm. highly suggest this to everybody. Everybody Google um, Stephen Gunner, Wall Street Journal. And that article about Stephen Gunner, who was a donor-conceived person, I would definitely read that one. You can also Google Rochester, New York Post, infertility scandal. And that's going to bring up another story. Um, about a donor conceived person. Um, Mm -hmm. Both two different things. The Stephen Gunner story is about um, a lack of uh, and a wrong um, medical history that that resulted 
and not getting in, not getting Stephen diagnosed in time, mm-hmm. not allowing him to get proper care, which eventually led to him um, ODing. Oh. Um, and it was it's a horrific story. It's horrible, and it is absolutely heart wrenching. Um, his mom, who I literally was on the phone with uh, yesterday, her name is also Laura, and we're always like Team Laura's. But um, she, in my opinion, is one of the bravest human beings I've ever I've ever talked to, and I've had the privilege of working with because she's taken this horrific thing that happened to her that she mm-hmm. saw that happened to her son. It's mm-hmm. horrible, and she is like, I'm not going to let this happen to another donor conceived person. And so she has been like immediately turned. She immediately the first thing that she turned around was try and locate all of Stephen's donor conceived siblings mm. so that they would all get the proper medical. Uh, yeah. medical knowledge so that if they needed to get diagnosed if they were not getting the proper care she would ensure that they were but then she also created the donor conceived persons protection act which would make all clinics verify medical history that a donor hands in mm-hmm. because that's something that a lot of people don't understand there's not a single state in the united states that requires verification a background check or anything so you can literally have any yahoo on the street come in fill out a form they can mm-hmm. um and that's the medical history. There's no verification. Um, and we've seen this happen with serial donors who mm-hmm. knowingly lie about their medical history and they get hundreds of kids sick. It's really horrific. Um, so that's one story. Then there is the other story, the Rochester scandal with Dr. Mm-hmm. Wortman. This is all public knowledge. I can state his name, all that shit. So Dr. Wortman, um, switched out in at least we don't know the full number but we know in Mm. at least 17 patients he switched out the chosen sperm for his own and one of those people was my friend morgan um who was actually the first donor conceived person i met in college and she was now obviously she didn't know this she thought her donor was like this scottish irish person Mm -hmm. and eventually she went to go see dr wortman uh, as her OBGYN not having any idea that he was her biological father. Oh, no. He knew, though. Oh, no. And he purposefully, purposely rescheduled the physical exams to ensure that he was doing them, that she had scheduled with the nurse practitioner. Oh, my God. I know. And when all of this came out, we can prove all of it. It's not a crime in New York State. So he is still currently in practice. Gross. So gross. That is only considered a crime in 10 states. Woof. In 10. Woof. Major woof. Uh, I remember talking to Morgan for the first time after it, and I'm like, how you doing? And she's just like, <laughs> I, how do you, pro-? and I'm like, I don't, and she was just like, I don't even know how to start processing this. And I'm like, I don't, I don't either, girl. Yeah. I don't either. And woof. she was just like, how do you, like, I feel this, but is it this? And I'm like, I think you get to feel however it is you want. Mm -hmm. I think that is the rule. I think so few people in this world have gone through what you have gone through. Um, Mm -hmm. You, you, whatever it is you need, if you're just suddenly like one day and you're just like, I need to rub a turtle on my face. Sure. Rub a turtle on your face. Do it. You know what? Fucking do it. I don't, whatever it is that you think you need, you get it. Mm -hmm. Fuck Yes. And she is, she, but she's also one of the strongest people I know. And she immediately started working and she is working right now to get the fertility fraud law passed within New York state, which makes the fertility fraud legislation, which was written by Eve Wiley, everyone Mm -hmm. go follow her, um, makes it a crime for a doctor to switch out the chosen sperm for their own or any other that they feel like. 
And again, it's only, only a crime in 10 states. It's fucking terrifying. It is terrifying that we do not have this basic law passed. It's absolutely ludicrous. And if you want to like watch a full on documentary about it, watch Our Father on Netflix. Um, It's, you know, that that's kind of the big hot new thing. But um, and that really put donor conception on the map. But yes, watch that documentary. And we'll put all these links in the description of the episode so you can find those all super easily. One of the things that I find so interesting in talking to people, like Carlos said a very similar thing, I see this in in you and the way that you respond to these things. But the strength that we expect the people suffering the brunt of these issues Mm -hmm. to have, like you, you don't get the option to just sit down and do nothing because then nothing will change. Yeah, I I, I would have to say it's like, because people recently, because I'm, I'm, I'm currently conducting a shitload of interviews right now, because, you know, if anyone follows me knows that I'm working on like a massive story right now, mm-hmm. and I'm conducting a shitload of interviews. And I keep getting asked, like, Laura, how's the, like your emotional health? Like, how are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm not doing well. Mm-hmm. I'm not like, I'm not going to pretend I'm not okay right now. I'm extremely angry. I'm extremely like, there's only so many times I can hear about a donor conceived person with like a cyst growing on their spine. I'm like, Mm. there's just like, there's only so much I can hear. Um, And I'm like, yeah, I've like, I'm not okay. But I don't have the privilege to stop. Mm -hmm. We don't have that anymore. It's not that's not a thing that we have. And very much like Carlos, both him and I, I think very much have the thing of like, kids are dying. Yeah. Kids are fucking dying. Mm -hmm. They are, women are getting sexually assaulted. Kids are getting sick. The societal impact this has is so massive that it's Mm -hmm. like, I will take a nap when it's done. And yes, I am not okay. I am not, and I will fully admit to it, but I cannot stop because Mm -hmm. knowing that kids are dying and no one else is doing anything. There are, I will, okay, I don't want to say that because there are other donor conceived advocates who are doing something at the moment. I think, I think I'm one of the most public donor conceived people out there. I take that as a responsibility because I have that public platform because it is so public. I need to continue leading the troops. I have to continue leading the troops Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. I don't fucking know why the people are listening to me. I know why they listen to me. I'm a a stand-up comedian, but they are. And so it's like, I don't have the privilege to stop. I have a lot of theories as to why, but um, (laughs) you're a really compelling person to listen to um, for a lot of different reasons. And I'm curious about how comedy, because we've talked about this a lot, how comedy helps influence that ability to go on and gives you mm. some of that that strength that you have. I, I see humor in a lot of the people that I see exhibiting that same strength. I do think it helps for the fact that like, yeah, I'm, I'm sifting through this darkness mm-hmm. through most of the day. And then I go out to my shows and I tell dick jokes. And I do think <laughs> that that helps. And I do think that my reaction and my always my reaction, my knee jerk reaction, almost anything is to tell a joke. I do mm-hmm. think probably keeps me more sane. Yeah. To an extent. <laughs> I will say though, and I will fully admit to this, I, and I'm okay with it. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's not something that I feel like ashamed of or anything, but like, I really got to feel how angry I was when I was at the ASRM convention and I was talking to these doctors and listening to them. I got to literally feel how angry I actually am at this institution 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and they definitely noticed it. Like they could, you could cut my anger like a knife and I even got a response of like, I get it. I get it. Like, you're really angry. Like, okay. Like I got it. But like, maybe you need to work on your communication. And I'm like, fuck you. I'm like, my communication is fine. I think what I said to this person was, cause I had a friend next to me and she looked at them and she was like, Laura has about half a million followers on TikTok. Her communication's fine. Um, mm. and then I said, I was like, I think there's a misunderstanding here. I'm not here to communicate with you. I'm not here to work mm-hmm. with you. I'm not here to play ball with you. I'm not here to negotiate with you. I'm here to warn you. Yeah. Donor conceived people are mobilizing. You guys are coming to a head. Like there's no way what you're doing works. Yeah. It doesn't. And people are finding out and donor conceived people have a stack of evidence mm-hmm. and data and DNA tests. That's so freaking tall. Like we have actual truth on our side. You do not. Yeah. So this is a warning. Yeah. Start playing ball with us. We do not have to play ball with you. But yeah, no, it really is this that humor keeps me grounded most of the time. But then when I do have a moment like that and I get to check in, I go like, oh, shit, I'm really not OK. Interesting. Really hope you're taking care of you because you're doing a lot of really fantastic work. Um, Because I understand what a gift this is. I understand what a privilege this is. And it's as I said, it's very humbling. I don't want to fuck it up. So Mm -hmm. I am realizing that my own mental state right now could end up costing it. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm just like, "Mm -mm," because the fact that I have this many people listening and caring could make such a huge difference when it comes to donor conception legislation. And I always tell whenever I go live and I talk to my talk to um, talk to my followers, I always tell them, like, guys, I thank you. Like, yeah. you're there's you have given me such a fucking gift and I just want you to know that like I I understand and I know that I would not be here without you you guys have given me this chance and I really want you to know that I see you and I thank you Mm. especially the fans that have been with me for so long and I think one of the resources that you mentioned which comes with jokes is following you on the internet so if people want to if people want to um, stalk you, but like in only the nicest way, we only do in kind, the nicest way, please. kind stalking, safe stalking on care so much. But if they want to stalk you on the internet, how can they do that? You can stalk me on the internet by following me on TikTok and at Laura high five, um, five, like the number five mm. and hiding H I G H. Um, that is my handle everywhere. So you have that handle at Laura high five. That is me on TikTok. That is me on Twitter. That is me on Instagram. And um, you can look me up on YouTube. You can go see those original videos, Laura High. I'm going to start actually creating more long form videos on YouTube. It will start happening. I do promise. But yeah, follow me. I'm going to be having more stand up clips coming. So there will be more just funny, funny shit instead of me just going like sperm. (laughs) I think that we will get break from sperm. Uh, and for anybody listening who's like, um, yeah, I like actually am in New York and I would love to see Laura. Um, we're recording this super early. So the access to where Laura is going to be and all of those cool shows in the episode description, you can also go to her website, which I'm going to do a little plug for going to her website. I was on there right before we started recording this and she has some truly fantastic featured reviews on her website <laughs> that I highly recommend you go read. I'm not going to yes. spoil them for you. They are all true reviews. Trusted sources. Very trusted. They, and they are all real. These are <laughs> not made up. They're very real reviews. On my website, there is a little button that says shows on it. When I So yeah. I do have that. And Thanks. you can come see my shows. But then also, like, like right in my... Com- I read all of my comments. I'm weird. I read all of, I read all of my comments. 
every yes. single one. I just choose which ones to reply to and which ones not. I reply to apparently a lot uh, compared to a lot of content creators. But um, if you like at me and you're like, Laura, I'm coming to your show tonight, let me know so that like I don't just like run off and like go get a slice of pizza somewhere. Like I will stay and I will meet you after the show and go like, what's up? If you want to buy me a drink, it is a vodka soda with lime juice. <laughs> That's you uh you want to buy me a drink, vodka soda with lime juice. It's good to it's good to have a clear call to action. But like let let me watch them pour it. Let me like don't don't do the creepy thing of just hand me an open drink. Don't Oof, do that. Yeah. That I won't accept. That I won't do. We're not doing that. It's 2022. We know what that means. So let me watch them pour it, then I will take it, and then we will have we will sit and I will have a drink with you and we can talk and we can talk about all the sperm you want. I will give you sperm details. What a cool thing you get to say to people. I genuinely like don't even know how to respond because of how much joy that incredibly wild sentence brought me. <laughs> I tell well, I tell you what, if, if you wouldn't mind indulging me, Please. can I share with you some like scary infertility industry facts? Yeah, let's end by spooking people. Because this is this was the fun thing. Um, I have a friend, uh, if you don't follow, um, great comedian Wally. And him and I, like he knows like uh, about the story I'm working on and everything. And him and I were sitting in the back of a club and he was like, oh my God, tell me more. Like, tell- He loves when I like drop fucking like, it- he thinks it's hysterical. And I just, and then what he did was so mean. He literally like looked over at this newer comic. He was like, hey, do you know Laura? You need to listen to her. And he sat this young, sweet, little, innocent, Iowa looking farm girl down with me. And I'm just sitting there going, do you know what doctors do in the back room? And she was just like, what? And I just, and you can just see her eyes turn into saucers. And I'm like, Wally, you're a fucking dick, but I'm going to talk to anyone who will listen. But, um, yeah, so here, here's some, here's some things just because I, I need, I need more people to understand. Um, it's fuck. Okay. It's eugenics. Mm. It's fucking eugenics. It's legalized eugenics. Basically, so like we have like early early journals of infertility of infertility doctors like decades and decades ago, like that literally are like use the sandy head man, not the dark head man. Like Ugh. it's it's gross. You have there's no kind of um, anti discrimination laws for donors protecting donors. Be- it's because there isn't anti discrimination laws. It's a bunch mm-hmm. of random ass doctors in a back room deciding who and who isn't allowed to jack off in a cup, who isn't and who isn't allowed to give eggs. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. It's this cool thing. Doctors can also be racist. They mm-hmm. they can also be racist. So you get even one racist doctor in a back room that can affect the lives of thousands and thousands of people. Mm-hmm. And also, and even if you are lucky, even if you are lucky enough to be able to locate a BIPOC donor, you're able to locate one. But you're in a state where the fertility fraud law has not passed yet, and you have a white doctor, and that white doctor switches out your BIPOC donor for his fucking stupid-ass white sperm. That's not considered a crime in 40 states. It's not considered a crime. I was recently getting interviewed, and they were like, well, what do you think it should be? I'm like, it should be sexual assault and a fucking hate crime. Mm-hmm. They do that to a BIPOC family. It should also be labeled as a fucking hate crime. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I and I'm so like angry right now at how the infertility industry is responding to this because it is so their fault. It is mm-hmm. so their fucking fault, and they are just like we just don't know what happened. We just don't understand. And it's just like you guys fucking did this shit. Yeah, no, I I really have to tell people like 
you have to listen to donor conceived people. Mm-hmm. I know what we're saying sounds like comically evil. Like it sounds ridiculous. The shit that mm-hmm. we're saying, it is true. The fact is federally, you do not have to do genetic testing. The only thing federally that is required of all banks in terms of screening is a DNA test. That's all that's required. I mean, not as a DNA, sorry, an STD test. My mm-hmm. Federally, all that's required is an STD test. That's it. Mm-hmm. There is no federal cap. The only state that has a cap right now is uh, Colorado. And it's a very high cap as it is. Um, But there is no cap. Mm -hmm. In one month, in one month of research, I found six pods of 100 kids each. (sighs) Two pods of 80 and two pods of 70 in one month. And I barely was trying. And I'm a fucking stand-up comedian who's a TikToker. You think I have, you think I'm a journalist and I know how to like really look? No, I made a form for people to fill out. And I was like, come find me. They all found me. I didn't even go look. They found me. Oh my God. So you need, and so what this means, and I need you to all start kind of like putting this together. This has huge societal implications because we're limiting the gene pool. Mm-hmm. We're having people donate, knowingly donate, who have massive genetic issues mm-hmm. for things that don't have treatments. Mm-hmm. And then 100 kids are made. Mm-hmm. So we are spreading genetic illnesses that don't have treatments, like any kind of treatment, any anything that doesn't get diagnosed in time or anything. It's And we are limiting the gene pool because accidental incest is 100% on the table now. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't just affect that pod, it also affects the entire donor's family as well. Again, the fact that people aren't talking about this and what happens mm-hmm. when a donor and a family don't disclose to their family. So it's really awful things that happen. So w- when a donor does not disclose to his family, that donor's family, one, will happily just like create an account on 23andMe and Ancestry and then be like, oh, shit, why do I have 50 half brothers? That's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but also all of that family does is not aware that like that donor might have a hundred kids mm-hmm. running around and that donor and those donor and that donor's children. Um, and th- there's, th- this has happened before where the donor's children end up at the same school as the donor conceived children. They have no idea their siblings. The accidental incest that we have on the table is massive. Mm-hmm. And when parents don't tell their children that they are donor conceived, that is fundamentally dangerous because they think that they're, they have a false sense of what their medical history is. Mm-hmm. So they're telling their doctors what they think their medical history is, and it's wrong. Mm-hmm. That puts a kid's life at danger. It, and we've seen it happen before. It literally puts your life in danger. Uh, for anyone who, like, and I get people all the time going, like, medical history is that, like, I don't know my parents' medical history. I'm like, would you know if your dad dropped dead of a heart attack? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, that that's medical history, asshole. Mm-hmm. That's medical history. I'm not saying you have to know what every fucking marker your dad has. But, like, knowing that, like, your mom had breast cancer, mm-hmm. your dad had heart disease, that literally fundamentally can save your life. Yeah. Fundamentally save your life right there. Yep. Knowing that the vast majority of my dad's family is alcoholics has really changed yep. my relationship with alcohol. <laughs> Absolutely. That kind of shit. Um, there's a donor conceived person that found out her donor's family is highly suicidal. Mm. And she's like, oh, well, my brother committed suicide already. <sighs> so oh my good God. to know now. As somebody who has learned about this through you and then kind of 
it the way algorithms work, I then see other people as well. Um, mm-hmm. There's a whole host of things that you just wouldn't think about. And then when you do yeah. think about it, you'd be like, well, obviously there's rules about that. Um, there aren't, as it turns you, out. Well, I, I mean, it's like, look, we, we just need, there are other countries that have significantly better um, regulations than the United States. Mm-hmm. And we need to follow suit. Mm-hmm. Um, this is big, like, again, and it's why I always sort of lead off with the fertility fraud legislation, because I feel like there's no one who doesn't agree with that. Yeah. And if you do agree, like, if you're cool with that, like, it says so much about you as a fucking person. Mm-hmm. But I do try very hard to, like, lead off the conversation with just super easy common sense shit. Mm-hmm. That it's like, I don't care what you believe in. Mm-hmm. You will 100% see the basics in this. Yeah, it, it really is this comically awful industry that has had zero oversight for decades it's really, it's nasty. And more and more people are using donor conception now. Single by choice is becoming like, I don't want to say more trendy, that feels wrong, but it's becoming more like normalized. Normalized, mm-hmm. there, that's a better word. Mm-hmm. More and more people are identifying as part of the queer community and they're using donor mm-hmm. conception. Infertility is, infertility issues are also on the rise with like heterosis couples. So yeah, Infertility mm-hmm. industry is being used more, so it is imperative that we get this shit fixed. Similar to so many other things, just like the adoption and foster care things that I learned from Carlos, yeah. like it's it's important to understand and and I think at the center of these stories are people who both in both of these situations are people who have no ability to consent to any of these situations. Yeah. Um, and so we as a society have a responsibility to make sure that people are not set up to be able to abuse the position of power that they're in. And that's the big thing. And that's always like, I always get, I always get some Yahoo in my comment section. Who's like, well, I didn't consent to be born. And I'm like, that's different. But that's good for you, man. Good Mm -hmm. for you. I do think that one of the, one of the things is as soon as there is a, um, a contract involved, Mm -hmm. as soon as there's payment, as soon as there's profit involved, Mm -hmm. that changes the dynamic. And it's not the same thing. Yeah. If you get to profit off of my creation, there has to be made, uh, there has to be um, allowances made for my own health and safety in there. You did such an incredible job of explaining all of these things. Uh, Follow Laura for laughs and for very serious, very real facts about things that matter perfectly scattered in together so you can enjoy both things in the same space. Thank you so much, Laura, for taking the time to come on here. It has genuinely been such a joy to get to speak with you. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. I've been such a big fan for a long time. And I, I honest to goodness, can't believe that we're talking right now. So uh, that's, uh, I have a hard time accepting any kind of like compliments or anything like that. <laughs> so my brain is just like, mm, 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 mm. <laughs> but thank you. I do appreciate it. We've mentioned a couple of other really incredible episodes that you can go listen to if you're looking for more care so much. Obviously, we both want you to listen to Carlos Dillard's episode on foster care and adoption. Yes, Carlos. There's also some incredible episodes, as I mentioned, the National Coming Out Day episode. So there's lots of really amazing people uh, back in further in your feed. We've got some cool people coming up as well. For anybody out there who wants to follow more care so much, it's care so much pod across all of the internet. So you can find us on any social platform. And if you're out there and there's something that you can talk about for hours on end that you're incredibly passionate about and you think that nobody cares, just know that I do. I care so much 